A lot of people get really wigged out by capital gains tax. I can count on all my fingers and all my toes the amount of people that I've spoken to that think if they sell a property that they buy as a property investment, they're going to pay 50% of the gain to the Australian tax office. And it's certainly not as bad as that. In fact, capital gains tax, in my viewpoint, is better than income tax. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, an absolute code cracker. We're going to dig into capital gains tax. Yes, we're going to have the capital gains tax conversation. I don't want to be accused of not teaching people about tax. We're going to do it. It's courtesy of Lou Simon. Yes, Lou and I have been texting. Lou has been asking questions about capital gains tax. And so I thought... Why not do a little conversation, a little podcast on the conversation of capital gains tax? A lot of people get really wigged out by capital gains tax. I can count on all my fingers and all my toes the amount of people that I've spoken to that think if they sell a property that they buy as a property investment, they're going to pay 50% of the gain to the Australian tax office. And it's certainly not as bad as that. In fact, capital gains tax, in my viewpoint, is better than income tax. Let's have a chat about it. How does it work? How does it get calculated? How do you create a vehicle for the future? It's a good conversation. It's a great conversation. Welcome back, of course, all you urban property investors. I hope you're having a good old-fashioned time wherever you are. And hey, this is your first time tuning into the show. Welcome aboard. We're a mad bunch here. We love talking about real estate. We uh, also do a lot of podcasts on understanding lessons around real estate. So if the idea of learning more about real estate tickles your fancy, make sure you go back a few episodes and uh, feel free to listen to past episodes I've done on real estate investment. But certainly, I think here in Australia, you know, we're blessed to have a system which offsets owning real estate. And it's fair to say the Australian government is never, ever going to be able to provide enough housing for the future Australia. You can't simply keep growing your migration system, invite millions and millions of people here and not have a system of housing them. And of course, uh, we're probably seeing right now just the stress on the system as it stands, whereby property investors can't keep up with the work. There's just too many people not enough properties, and ultimately not enough property investors. So I think one of the best things of being being a property investor, of course, is the tax system. It really does allow you to keep most of your income. One of the best ways to do that or understand that is when you think about it, you go to work on a Monday, you exchange your time for money, but for most Aussies, They don't keep the money they earn on a Monday because it goes straight to the tax system. They don't have any tax-efficient assets to write off their Monday and get that money back. 
A uh, lot of people go to work on a Tuesday. Same problem. Exchange their time for money. Don't get to keep the money. A lot of people go to work on a Wednesday. In fact, we call Wednesday hump day because you get over the hump, you've finally paid your taxes, and now you start to put money in your back pocket. Of course, here in Australia, because we want to house a lot of people, the Australian government rewards property investors by offsetting any losses they incur by holding real estate, uh, you know, and those losses can be captured through things like depreciation or interest costs. And of course, uh, what this can do is lower your personal tax rate to the point where you can actually get the money back, which you earned on a Monday going to work or a Tuesday going to work and put it in your back pocket. So the tax system is designed to be used and uh, certainly not enough Australians use the tax system uh, for what it is worth and of course don't end up being property investors nor have uh, the, the, the mindset to own multiple pieces of real estate. But I can assure you, one of the benefits of owning multiple pieces of real estate is to get paid all the money that you earn during your working week by virtue of minimizing your tax to the government. But as a property investor, there will be times where you own real estate and you strategically look to sell it. And of course, if you go down that road, depending on the structure you own the real estate within, you may be liable for capital gains tax. Really, as the name kind of suggests, it is a tax on the gain of your capital, your asset. And of course, for a lot of property investors, uh, the idea of paying capital gains tax is kind of a little bit foreign to them. So I thought, yes, as we we're talking to Lou Simon, it's time to talk to everyone about the concept of capital gains tax. I th certainly think it's a good tax. The way it is calculated is is not as uh, crazy as many people seem to believe it is. It is cheaper than income tax. And really the best way to understand how it's uh, calculated is for a start, you need to be a property investor. The property needs to be an income producing piece of real estate for there to be a capital gains tax should you actually one day sell the asset. How it works is you get a 50% discount on the actual gain and that kicks in as long as you've held the asset for longer than 12 months. If you've held the asset uh, from 12 months of signing up to it, you're sweet. You're going to get that 50% discount. So let's say you, I don't know, bought a property for $300,000 with easy maths and you sold the property for $600,000. So you got a $300,000 gain. Now, probably along the way, you would have uh, maybe done some improvements to the property, capital improvements. Um, you know, there's probably other things you've done along the way. Uh, you know, even when you sold it, you probably paid a real estate agency costs to sell the asset. This will all be deducted out of the wash. But for easy maths, let's just say 
you bought a property for three hundred, you sold it for six hundred thousand dollars, you'll instantly get that fifty percent discount as long as you've held the property for twelve months. Now, the reason why the government does actually give you a discount um, is they don't want people trading properties like going to an auction one weekend and then selling it the next weekend. Um, you know, can you imagine how crazy the property market could get? if we could just go down and buy a property and then flip it the very next week for a profit, everyone would be using the real estate economy as some sort of trading marketplace. So the government kind of penalizes people basically if they don't hold the real estate for 12 months after signing the contract. So as soon as you reach 12 months, you reach the threshold of getting the CGT discount which of course is 50%. So back to my example, we've got a $300,000 gain instantly, $150,000 of the dollars of that is tax-free. You're going to put that in your back pocket. You're not going to pay any more tax on that particular part of the puzzle. But by way of example, of that $150,000, we've got uh, to pay some tax on the other $150,000, which is not capital gains tax-free. We have to pay some money to it. Now, again, on that example, we have $150,000 basically, which we now need to pay tax on. And that is added to our yearly income for our yearly tax return. And uh, let's just say, you know, uh, we earn no money, but we made this $150,000. Well, instantly, because of the number $150,000, we would jump into the 37% tax bracket. Because we're in the 37% tax bracket, we would pay 37% tax of the $150,000, which is $55,000. So we would pay $55,000 tax on that example. We would keep $245,000 in our back pocket of the overall $300,000 gain. So as you can see, it's it's better than income tax. We're going to get a discount and then we're going to apply it, uh, the tax rate we fall into when we add both our normal wage and, of course, the gain together. Now, for a lot of people, this will push them into the highest marginal tax rate, you know, basically 45%. But for other people as well, they tend to offload assets based on where they are. And a lot of people end up doing it when they have no income coming through the door and uh, try and lower the tax rate that way. Now, I've certainly done uh, some distributions in the past. The thing I love about being a property investor is like having a moat. And there has been economic times in my life where I haven't made any money through my wage. Uh, I just haven't earned money and uh, I've been able to sell a property, cash in on the actual gain, use the gain to fund uh, a year's worth of my lifestyle. And uh, because I wasn't earning any income, obviously the gain basically became my income. 
and uh, I was able to to pay a nominal marginal tax rate on that money. So that's how it works. That's how capital gains tax works. And of course, for a lot of people, the concept of uh, obviously paying a capital gain is, you know, appalling to them. But, you know, you don't pay tax unless you're making a profit. And obviously, profits are better than wages. And I really like the idea of basically making profits. Now, as well, you'll never pay capital gains tax if you never sell the property. Eventually, uh, if you, the person you leave it to, uh, you know, they potentially will be paying capital gains tax should they sell. But if the asset is never sold, it basically won't incur a capital gain. And so for a lot of property investors, their gains are on paper. They basically pay the game of paper profits. And of course, you won't pay capital gains tax on paper profits. You have to actually get rid of the asset to pay the gain. Now, many of you are probably listening to this going, man, I know this stuff. I'm now going to change channel. Well, hey, sometimes you got to run with the back of the pack. There's always things to learn. So stick around. Don't go. Uh, If you make a capital loss, obviously you can use that loss to offset a capital gain. Now, the way you create a capital loss is obviously if you bought a property and you sold it for less than what you paid. Now, the same principle applies. Basically, the loss is halved and uh, applied against your tax rate. And so it's like the mirror image of the gain is done through the loss. Now, for a lot of people, what happens is they will look at a property which perhaps is an underperformer, a bit of a lemon, and they'll go, okay, if I return this property back to the market, I'm going to suffer a bit of a loss. And then they'll look at a property whereby they've got a gain on the property. And they also look at it and go, yeah, maybe if I free up that money, I can do something better with it. Why don't I use the loss, the capital loss to offset the capital gain and avoid basically capital gains tax. And of course, um, you know, this is one way to do it. But if you're going to do that, make sure you sell the property for a loss uh, to capture that loss so you can use it against a gain. You can't basically retrofit a loss to a gain. It doesn't work that way. You've got to create a loss, then use a gain to offset the loss. So there is uh, obviously a bit of a formula there. And again, this is if you're buying real estate in your own name. This is how it works. And uh, there are some, obviously, some massive, massive benefits to getting it right to begin with and not ever having to sell. Because when you sell, you usually got to rebuy. So not only will you pay CGT, but you'll also probably have to go and buy again and pay more stamp duty to play the game. So it's really not a good idea to really 
buy and sell real estate. It's highly taxed here in Australia to do that. But it does happen on occasions. And again, I've been in that situation where I've needed to use again my economic moat to protect me and it's just perfect. It's done exactly what it's meant to do. You know, we uh, all go through our economic life thinking nothing's ever going to happen to us and then one day something does. It's so good to have property there, particularly a property with a gain, which can get you out of a jam. Now, I've certainly made some losses on properties before and trapped those losses in basically a capital loss and used a property which I had a gain on, which I wanted to move, move the money around, and I've offset the loss with a gain. It's all very, very possible. You do want to do it in the same financial year if you're willing and dealing in your own name. Now, a lot of people also get wigged out that they're going to pay some sort of capital gains tax on property, which is their main residence. It won't happen. Your main residence is exempt from capital gains tax as long as you keep living in it. And uh, for a lot of property investors, this is actually a great way to get ahead. Uh, now, I think one of the best property investors I know is a guy I went to school with, Evica. Evica, uh, which is a Serbian name, Evica basically for the last 30 years has been uh, using the main residence exemption to get ahead in life. He's basically lived in his PPR. He upgrades it, renovates it, makes it better then he will sell it and go and buy another PPR and do the whole thing over and over and over and over. And he's been going for years, um, literally 30 years. And he's made so much money doing this strategy. I think it's one of the best property investment strategies. For a lot of people, they would not do it because you have to uproot your family constantly to uh, basically buy another home, but he's been targeting basically one suburb for 30 years. He basically upgrades and uses the main residence exemption rule to get uh, a basically gain with no tax. Now, there's not too many ways to make money in this world where you don't pay tax, but selling your principal place of residence is one of them. Here in Australia, we have what is known as the six-year rule. As long as you uh, basically um, return to the property, that is a principal price of... You can only have one, basically, PPR, okay? This is kind of the rule. Um, now, you can live in it and do what my friend does, basically just keep flipping the house over and over and keep doing it. He does it every three, three, four years and has made a lot of money doing that. Obviously, he's got to uproot his life. Now, uh, you can claim one residence only unless you're a politician. Yes, politicians in Canberra can have two principal places of residency, capital gains tax-free. Go figure. However, if you're uh, not a politician, 
you can only claim one property capital gains tax free. Now, if you live in that property and then move out, you basically have what is known as the six-year rule. The six-year rule allows you to basically return to the property within six years and you uh, can start the clock again, if you like, and you'll get more time. You live in the property, you'll get another six years and you'll keep going and keep going. So for some property investors who are basically struggling with cash flow, uh, they can rent a cheaper lifestyle, put some money in their back pocket and also uh, keep the main residency exemption by using the six-year rule. So they basically move out for six years, move back in, move out, move back in. Obviously, the six-year rule was kind of set up to allow people to work interstate, uh, work in a different place, um, and and basically not, uh, you know, exile themselves from the main residence concept and then put their property on the market and basically have to sell up and leave. So it's kind of like this community protection concept where, you know, for whatever reason, it may just mean that you, you know, um, need some time away from your property. Uh, you've got up to six years. Now, it's a good idea if you are playing that game to get the property valued um, so that, you know, um, any sort of gain during that period is accommodated for, it's accounted for. Uh, because for a lot of people, what they do is they will sell the property in, uh, you know, year seven um, and, uh, you know, obviously pay one year's worth of gains, not seven years worth of gains because they can minus out six years worth of gains from that concept. And if they've got proof of valuation, uh, from a registered valuer, they can even, um, you know, work through those gains more appropriately with the Australian tax office. So uh, capital gains tax-free, it's a great way to go. Uh, it's, of course, um, one of the benefits of the PPR model or the main residence exemption. It's the way it works. You're only allowed one of them use it wisely. You can turn that property into an investment property. Um, obviously, um, you know, you, you've got to, un, you know, turn it back into a PPR at some point. So if you buy real estate and you become a portfolio investor, it's very common as well to run out of servicing and running, run out of buying power by buying real estate as a property investor in your own name. So for a lot of property investors, they turn to basically company trust structures. And the reason being is the lenders often see the company trust structure, if it's the right property in the asset, as uh, a little bit sort of removed from the you as an individual. So they may be willing to actually lend on a new property. There's all sorts of, um, you know, bits and pieces to that, higher uh, mortgage costs, lower LVRs, and quite often, depending on the state, you will also pay instant land tax on properties that you put in a company trust structure. 
When you buy a property in a company trust structure, you do not get the capital gains tax discount. You basically, if you were to offload the asset, you pay the company tax rate. And so depending on what type of company it is, if it's, uh, you know, just a shelf company or it's actual trading company, you will pay the marginal company tax rate. Could be anywhere from 25 to 30%. Um, and that's basically how it works should you offload the property. And again, for many, many property investors, the reason they own properties in company trust structures is for multiple reasons. One, they may be looking to borrow more money and can't do that in their own individual name. Two, they may be looking for things like asset protection, just protecting themselves from uh, basically the outside world a little bit further removed from the actual asset. Uh, Other reasons is they may actually want to distribute money from the company trust structure to um, basically spouses, children. Um, There is a whole uh, way it kind of works when it comes to um, basically lowering your tax rate by distributing money to others, um, which is quite often the model as to why people own real estate in that vehicle, or it may just be connected to an actual company uh, that owns the property. And again, um, you know, if the asset is to be sold off, you would pay the appropriate company tax rate. So you do not get the benefit of the lowering of the CGT amount. But as you kind of learned before, uh, it's fairly similar, like capital gains tax, you get a 50% discount. And then let's say uh, it's really another 50% discount on that before you enter the highest tax rate. So it's kind of, uh, you know, call it a 25% tax, really, if you think about it. Um, That's probably a good way to explain it, maybe a little bit lower. Uh, But um, yeah, that's kind of how it works. So it's fairly similar if you buy in a company trust structure. The only difference is uh, company trust structures quite often, depending on the state, will incur land tax straight away. And it can be a lot of money in New South Wales. You know, it's like $13,000 per annum if you own a property in that structure. So, you know, people go, well, why on earth would you pay $1,000 a month to basically have a company trust structure on a piece of real estate? Well, again, it's it's a whole gamut of reasons, but it's certainly something you've got to consider before you rush off and do that as well. So there is another way to own real estate, and that is in your super. And uh, a lot of property investors, a lot of people will set up a self-managed super fund, go off and buy a property in their self-managed super fund. They will borrow 60-70% of the purchase price, put 30% of their own saved super into a deposit, uh, buy a property and uh, hold on to it. And again, if you're using that strategy, it's probably a good one because from my experience, you can pay off a property inside of your superannuation very, very quickly. The reason being is you get your uh PAYG contributions, you can create extra contributions 
and you get rent. And those three sort of things coming together quite often means you can debt reduce your property in super quite quickly. So a lot of people buy real estate in super and I'm not licensed to talk about superannuation investments. I'm just letting you know I've done this myself. Uh, This is my personal experience, but basically, you know, a lot of people buy real estate in super for debt reduction, but there are some added benefits and this is just superannuation tax information. You can go and Google this. It's not uh, personal advice. So please don't consider this personal advice. Uh, But if you buy a property inside your super and you sell it during your uh, basically uh, building phase before you reach your preservation phase or retirement phase, uh, you will pay capital gains tax but it's very, very, very light. The headline capital gains tax rate is 15%. So you pay 15% capital gains tax, but there is a one-third discount if you own the real estate for longer than 12 months, meaning you will pay 10% capital gains tax on owning a property inside of super and selling it before your retirement or preservation age kicks in. But here's the real kicker. When you actually go into your retirement years, you enter a tax-free kind of space. And should you want to sell your property, which is in your superannuation fund, you will basically be CGT-free, capital gains tax-free. So super is probably one of the best vehicles for uh, ownership of real estate as an investment because of its tax uh, effectiveness. Uh, It really does allow you for later tax benefits, particularly when you're in your preservation years, which is just amazing. And uh, a good superannuation advisor, by the way, can do some all sorts of stuff to help you put money into super. Even if you were to sell a property outside of super, they've got some whiz-bang ways to lower your capital gains tax if you are willing to create extra uh, one-off contributions into your super fund. They can... uh, use some tax rulings to basically uh, sell Peter to pay Paul and uh, they do that through um, some whiz-bang stuff which I can't talk to you about but absolutely reach out to your financial advisor and they will be able to give you a whole bunch of information around uh, basically you know, making sure you've got enough superannuation set up in your fund for your retirement. But capital gains tax, it's not as evil as it's made out to be. Obviously, there are some good frameworks as to why it exists. We don't want property investors flipping properties every afternoon. That would be mad. Uh, Obviously, you know, Uh, Tax on capital, if it's too high, stops people investing capital. Um, 
the way that capital gains tax works is fairly fair because it's lower ultimately than income tax. It's very similar to a company tax rate. Really, once you put into the formula your 50% discount and apply it to your tax rate, you're, you know, it's all up as a tax. You know, it could be about 25% of the overall gain. And again, um, you know, like if we went back to the example I was explaining, you know, a $300,000 gain, $150,000 into your pocket straight away. Um, if that gain pushed you into a, say, 37% tax bracket, you're going to pay $55,000 capital gains tax. Uh, of the overall sale, you know, where you've made 300,000, you know, you're going to put in your pocket $245,000. So it's not going to take 50% whatsoever, which I know does scare some people. A lot of people, um, you know, instantly hear that and start to freak out. Um, but overall, you know, it's, it's not the worst tax in the world. There's certainly worse than that. And when you combine it to obviously some of the benefits of being a property investor, which can offset your income tax. Um, you know, it's a, it's, uh, it's not too bad. Obviously, if you spend anything along the way, capital improvements, um, you know, they are accounted for as part of the overall gain. It'll offset your gain, um, which is also pretty helpful. So hopefully you got a bit of an understanding of capital gains tax. Um, you know, today's show, a quick one, but I think a very, very valuable one. And uh, hopefully you learned some things today. I'll talk to you again soon as we talk more real estate. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it. If you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.